0: And we're live. Talk, yes.
1: All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see everybody in church today. Take your songbook, the red one. Let's turn to uh, the big red one. Let's turn to 169. 169. Let's stand together. Tell me the story of Jesus. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed his birth. Glory to God in the highest, peace and good tidings to earth. Tell me the story of Jesus, write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Fasting alone in the desert, tell of the days that are past, how for our sins he was tempted, yet was triumphant at last.
0: Tell
1: The years of his labor Hell, though he bore He was despised and afflicted Homeless, rejected, and poor Tell me the story of Jesus Write on my heart every word Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell of the cross where they nailed him, writhing in anguish and pain. Tell of the grave where they laid him, tell how he liveth again. Oh, when that story so tender, clearer than ever I see. Stay, let me weep while you whisper. Love, pay the ransom for me. Tell me the story of Jesus. Right on my heart every word. Tell me the story, most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Amen. Good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. Good to have such a good crowd here this morning. Amen. And surprised to see Dan here this morning. God's been God's awful good to get him off off the bed and come up here because he was he was looking rough Wednesday. She made you well. that's... That happens sometimes, and I understand that, Amen. Sometimes they can be an they can be a, a unstoppable force. I understand that, but uh, I'm gonna try this microphone one more time. I'm starting to blowing y'all's hair back. Let's see if it works. <laughs> there it went again. I think it needs to be pulled down a little bit. We'll try to fix that. I'm trying to give Byron some sound in the office. We'll try just a second here. She never missed a note, did she? Uh, I'm telling you. All right. I think that's pretty well. What about that? Come down just a hair more. All right. What do you think, Byron? You can hear it. You, he heard that. Amen. He took his hair and ate out on that one. I bet. Amen. Praise God. I I, I don't think I think it could come down just a hair. Honestly, I mean, we're need any volume in here, really. All right, I think that'll do. That'll do right there. Weld it and leave it alone. Tack, <laughs> tack, weld it right there. Amen. All right. Prayer request this morning. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, we're going to pray for your surgery to be successful. Y'all pray for him. He's dealing with kidney stones and dealing with a hematoma right now and, and just in blood issues. And thinning. Please pray for Dan that God just holds all that together and give the doctor's skill and and uh, just takes care of everything. And pray for Anya as she sits in the room waiting on him, because I know that's that's tough too. So y'all pray for them. Please pray for Grant. Pray for his for his cancer to uh, go into remission and for all this to be over with for him. And uh, who else? Who else needs prayer this morning? Yes. Pray for Robert Scott. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Yes, Leo. Yes, sir. Amen. Huh? Oh, my goodness. That's where she's at. Today. Okay. Yeah, let's remember their family in prayer. Uh, anything else Will we go to the Lord in prayer? All right. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Robert, lead us in prayer,
0: please. Amen. You
1: can be seated. The yeah. <coughs> <coughs> Yes, I'm gonna mention it in just second. Thank you. Uh, I, do, I do want to mention. I was just thinking that by the time Grant walked up here, we both had the same thought. Next Sunday, next Sunday is the last Sunday of the month, so that means we'll have we'll have a uh, lunch here after the church. But it also it's it's a unique Sunday because Brother Gerald Finney, a Christian attorney, is going to be down here, and he's going to be talking about uh, a church. Such as ours, unregistering from our entanglement with with the federal government and the IRS and all those things, which are unnecessary unta- entanglements for the Lord's church, because we are a, we're not a business. We don't conduct business. We're we're the Lord's body, and uh, He's our head. We don't need an earthly head. We have a we have a we have a, a spiritual head. He is our head of this church. So we're going to talk about that next weekend. You be here, please be here next Sunday, and uh, and. It'll help you to understand the why of it because it's so important that we're that that it's number one important that we are we are right in our relationship with our Savior. That's first and foremost, before our relationship to man, our relationship to our savior is number one. Amen? And we want to make sure we're right with him. Number two oh four. Number two oh four. To God be the glory. To God be the glory, great things he had done. So loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded his life an atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son. And give him the glory. Great things he hath done. Oh, perfect redemption. The purchase of blood. To every believer the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes. That moment from Jesus a pardon receives. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give Him the glory, great things He hath done. Great things He hath taught us, great things He hath done, and great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son. But purer and higher, And greater will be our wonder, our transport, when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son. And give him the glory, great things he has done. Amen. I got a second song leader back there. I don't know if y'all noticed it or not. She's just waving her arm with me. Amen. 3.42. 3.42. I gave my life for thee. I gave my life for thee. My precious blood I shed, that thou might ransom thee, and quicken from the dead. I gave, I gave my life for thee, what hast thou given for me? I gave, I gave my life for thee, what hast thou given for me? My Father's house of light, my glory circle throne. I left for earthly night, for wandering sad and lone. I left, I left it all for thee, what hath left God for me? I left, I left it all for thee, hast thou left thought for me. I suffered much for thee, more than thy tongue can tell. Of bitterest agony to rescue thee from hell. I've borne, I've borne it all for thee, what hast thou borne for me? I've borne, I've borne it all for thee, what hast thou borne for me? And I have brought to thee, down from my home above, Salvation full and free, my pardon and my love. I bring, I bring rich gifts to thee. What hast thou brought to me? I bring, I bring rich gifts to thee. What hast thou brought to me? Amen. Let's turn to 366. 366, Jesus, keep me near the cross. You was right the first time. Calvary's mountain in the cross, in the cross be my glory ever till my raptured soul shall fly. Yeah. Shall find rest beyond the river. Amen. Praise God. That's an invitation song, or we use it for one, but it, it suits me just fine any time. Amen. Sometimes you just got to mix some of them invitation songs in with your regular ones. I know. I know one thing. I just want to tell you, God sure has been good to me lately. And I just thank him for it. I've just watched him just put pieces into place right in front of me. And, and you know, I had questions. Of, how's this going to work? And how's this going I mean, I'm talking about relating to us selling our property and, and taking care of my brother who's going through some hardships. And, you know, I told you all about we, that I, I didn't buy a house. They gave me a house, right? Okay. Well, yesterday I was talking to... I was talking to somebody from Paris, I won't call his name, but they have a record service and they have about everything else you can imagine over in Paris, and, and uh, their last name's Lester, but anyway, I was talking to one of them, and, and uh, he he was a good friend of my daddy, and I told him about my brother's hardship, and he said, you know what, I can go borrow some beans and we'll just move that house, No cost me a dime. God's so good, amen, free house and free moving, you can't hardly beat that, you know? I didn't. I didn't even pray that hard about it, you know. God just good, amen. I just want to give Him praise, amen. You pray for me this morning. God told Abraham take Isaac up the mountain. There, make him a sacrifice to me. I know tears fell down in breath, hard to come by. As Abraham was knelt there on knees. So hand in hand, they headed up the mountain. And he thought about the thing that lay in the store. Like shattered glass inside, his heart was breaking. Cause he'd never known a pain like this before. Too soon they reached the spot where they were going. He laid Isaac down on his deathbed. His heart raced as he drew the knife to strike him. Then a God of mercy stopped him and he said, I just wanted you to know exactly how it to watch a son you love walk up a lonely hill. To feel the pain inside As your heart breaks in your chest To lose the very thing That you love the best Now you've walked the walk, And I hope you understand The price that must be paid To correct the sins of man And you'll know just how I feel when they walk him up that hill, I just wanted you to know. And you'll know just how I feel. When they walk him up that hill, I just wanted you to know. Amen. I've said it before, but it's worth saying. The spot where where Abraham was to sacrifice Isaac—that's the same place where the cross of Calvary stood. Amen. Or at least that's what I've been told. I've never been there, but that's what they tell me anyway. Take your Bible this morning. I want you to turn with me to John chapter nineteen. John chapter nineteen, and we've been we have been making our way to Calvary for years now, as we have been going through the life of Jesus, moment by moment, step by step through the Word of God, and we've come to Calvary, the nails are through his hands and his feet, he's he's hanging there in agony, and let's read, John chapter 19, we'll read verse 16 through 27. 19, beginning verse 16, Then delivered he him, therefore, unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the King of the Jews, but that he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier a part and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said therefore among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it. Whose shall it be? It shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, saith, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. You know, God's incredible in the way that he prophesies things, and it happened right down to the last little bitty detail. Amen? Amen. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother... And the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. That hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God's blessing on the message. Father, we come before you. Lord, the best that we know how. Father, we come before you, Lord, and we admit that we need you in every area of our life and every facet of our being father we need your presence we need your power we need your touch we need lord we need the mind of christ we need the hands of christ we need the feet of christ lord we need we need to be uh, solely completely in christ lord if we're to be what you want us to be in this world and father if we're to understand this message if we're to grasp all of it, that we're to grasp from it father we need the power of the holy ghost this morning we plead with you lord please come and meet with us today Lord, please forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us of anything that would offend, Lord, anything that would hinder, Father. We pray that you cleanse it and forgive us. And, Lord, fill us. Lord, fill us completely with your Spirit. Lord, fill us with the Holy Ghost. Help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear. And, Lord, a heart to 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 take this and and, and take the message out into this old lost and dying world. Father God, I pray right now, Holy Ghost of God, send the Holy Ghost of God, to, Lord, to just put a hush on all our hearts and our minds that we might received from you. Lord God, we thank you now. We want to give you praise and glory ahead of time for what you're going to do. Lord, we just ask you, Lord, I pray you put your hand on this preacher, Lord. I I need you. Oh, I need you. I can't do a thing without you. I'm helpless without you. And I plead for your power. I plead, Lord, for your touch. Use me and speak through me. I yield myself to you now in Christ's name. Amen. We've been talking... Now, for the last well, the last two Sundays, we we we've, t- we've been discussing the utterances that Christ made from the cross, beginning with the first utterance where He said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." And yesterday, yesterday, last Sunday rather, uh, we we talked about the second cross saying, where He turned to the thief on the cross who said. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he turned to him and he said, Surely today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And today we come to, well, let me just say this. Refresh your thinking on there. There are seven cross sayings. Remember, three of them occurred before darkness fell upon all the earth. One occurred during the darkness and then three occurred after the darkness. So this is the third one, and this is the one before the darkness. But in this one, Jesus, looking down at the, from the cross, seeing his mother there standing by John, cried out, Woman, behold thy son. And then to John, Behold thy mother. You'll find as you study through the Word of God, that there's a strange but beautiful blend of the deity of Christ and the humanity of Christ. He's, he's, he's very man, and he's very God at the same time. He is a perfect blend of the two. If he were not very man, he could not have bore our sins to Calvary and paid our sin debt. He became flesh for us to bear our sin debt. So he was very much man and very much God. If you remember on one occasion, he was in the rear part of the ship, and he was asleep. And the reason he was asleep is because he was tired. He, gets, he got tired just like you and I get tired. You go a long ways, you're weary, you get tired. It's just, his human body was wore out. He laid down in the back of that ship, and he went to sleep. You remember a storm came upon them, and they were frightened, and they thought they were all going to drown, and they had to wake him up. They woke him up and they said, "Master, carest thou not that we perish?" He lay down in that ship and went to sleep as a man who was tired, but he woke up from that ship and stood up, and he stilled the winds and the waves. He was God. You see, those little waves out there, they were whipping every which way, and he said, peace be still, and they laid down like a bunch of little lambs, just as peaceful as could be. All was calm. Again, another place we see is in John chapter 11, where the Bible says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus, of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary which had anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, he saith to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. And then you look down in verse 32. You see, that the Bible says, Then when Mary was come to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus, therefore, saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And they led Jesus to the grave of Lazarus. And the Bible says in no uncertain terms, Jesus wept. Tears began to flow from his eyes. And then said to the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. Jesus wept. Jesus stood there grieving with tears flowing from his eyes. Just like anybody else would do at a funeral to someone they loved. He showed his humanity in full bloom right there in that moment. But I want you to understand that after the weeping was over, Jesus said, roll away the stone. Then as God commanded Lazarus to come forth. And no boy, did he. Amen? Right out into the light of day. But you know, it seems that when Jesus' humanity would show forth, right after that, his deity would shine. And when Jesus' deity would shine, right after that, humanity would shine. It was a perfect blend of the two. And this is true even on the cross, which we're going to see today. <laughs> When he opens the door to the thief on the cross, opens the door to paradise to him, he was acting as God, because only God can allow men into heaven. But as we go to this third utterance from the cross, we see his humanity showing up very clearly. He is dying as Mary's son. And in his dying, he feels a responsibility to take care of his mother. He's making sure that his mother will be cared for after he's no longer on this earth to do that for her. We're going to discuss four things this morning. Number one, we're going to look at a mother's remorse. Number two, we're going to look at a man's responsibility. Number three, we're going to look at a mission remaining. And number four, if we have time, we'll look at a more meaningful relationship. But let's get right to it because we've got 30 minutes. Let's try to see what we can do. Number one, I want us to look at a mother's remorse. Verse 25 tells us, Now, there stood at the cross of Jesus' his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. Now, I know we, we've all thought about the cross, but let's try to paint the picture in our mind. Let's try to put ourselves standing there at the cross looking up at Jesus in our mind's eye just for a minute. And I want you to try to remember what the angel had said to Mary even before Jesus was ever born. I want you to try to see if you can put yourself in Mary's place and just feel and see the remorse that she must have had standing there that day. Do you remember what the angel said to her in chapter 1 of Luke 31 through 33? And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great. He shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. There's five things he said to Mary. Now, don't you know when she, when Jesus was born that Mary was thinking about all these things as she looked down at that baby in her arms? Don't you know she looked at him and she thought, He's going to be great. God said so. He's going to be so great. I mean, listen, when you look down at that baby, you, when you're a parent, you look down at them with wonder, and you say, what are they going to be when they grow up? You just try to think sometimes, what, what, what will my child do? What, what will my child experience? How, how, how will my child impact this world? And, and Mary had to have held Jesus knowing the things that the angel had said to her. He's going to be great someday. He's going to be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord is going to give him the throne of his father David. He's going to reign over the house of Jacob. There'll be no end to his kingdom. You know, she was looking forward to all those things coming to pass. Don't you know she'd been thinking about all those things and looking forward to all that happening? And don't you know, as she stood there that day looking up at him with his body torn to shreds, Blood dripping out of every orifice and all down his body. More disfigured than she had ever seen a man be in her entire life. Don't you know she had some questions? Don't you know she was thinking, this is not the way that this was supposed to turn out. Where is this kingdom they talked about he was supposed to have, that the angel told me about? He's dying. Where's the kingdom? I don't see a kingdom greatness that he spoke of. I don't. He, he's, he's been mocked and screamed at and called a criminal by the crowd. Where's the greatness? The throne of his father David. He's not sitting on a throne. He's nailed to a rugged cross. He's not reigning over the house of Jacob. They're screaming at him. Dying. He's in agony. He's in in awful pain. This is this is not the way it was supposed to go. Don't you know her heart was ripped to shreds? Was he dying? He was dying as a common criminal. Spitting on him. They're spitting on her son. They're hurling insults and clearing their sinuses and spitting on her son. Dying the most awful death that anybody could ever die. And there at the foot of the cross, she stood, looking up at her baby boy. You know, fathers love their children. I tell you, I love my daughter. I love my son. I love love all my kids. I love them, and I'd do anything in the world that I could for them. But only a mother that bore that child could feel the pain that Mary felt that day. A dad, can't. A dad, although he loves with his whole heart, there's a special bond that a mother and a child have that a father and a child just don't quite have. You know, that day as she looked up at her, her child, you could almost feel the pain she's feeling. I know you mothers in this room if you think about it. You could understand that her heart is just torn to shreds. She sees him there hang on that cross. She sees the blood trickling down his face and in his eyes. and His hands are nailed to the cross. And as a mother, she wants to get take a rag and wipe his face and, and get the blood out of his eyes. You know she does. You know her heart is breaking to help him. She hears him cry out, I thirst for his parched and busted lips you know, so bad she wants to take a cup with water and climb a ladder and give him a drink. But it's not permitted. No, instead, what did they do? They put a a sponge with vinegar on it and tried to give him that. heart must have been so broken. It must have ached as though it would rip right out of her chest watching her child die. Look at Luke chapter 2 with me. Luke chapter 2 speaks of right, right after Jesus was born, when he, when he was, right after he was circumcised there in the temple. The Bible says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting on the Messiah, wasn't he? And the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when, this parent, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the Jews, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us, thou servant, depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken to him. said, so, wow, that's, wow. Did you hear what he said? That was incredible. And Simon blessed them. He said, now listen to this, he said unto Mary his mother. You hear what he said? This is way back there in the very beginning. Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Now listen to this. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And oh, a sword did pierce her heart that day. She she hurt. Oh, she hurt. She didn't understand it all. It didn't make sense. She couldn't see the finish picture she had faith in god and yes she believed god but it didn't make sense have you not ever stood in those shoes you know god's true you know his word's true but what you see before you just doesn't make sense i've been there and you question god why are you allowing this to happen why are you doing this i'm sure she did that you couldn't blame her we looked at a mother's remorse i want us to look now at a man's responsibility number two Let's shift our attention away from Mary, and let's, let's look at Jesus for a moment. Jesus was Mary's oldest son, and I don't care what the Catholic Church says. They can all go jump in the lake. Mary had many other children after Jesus was born. She was not a perpetual virgin, nor is she the... "Quote unquote, mother of God, amen. God didn't have a mother. She's the mother of the the the, the earthly body of the Lord Jesus Christ, but she's not she's not the mother of God. Let me just say that. See, Mary had other sons, and, and they were not all believers at this time, and they weren't believers at all. As a matter of fact, at this time, they became believers later. But Jesus was her oldest son, and and it's not in the biblical record. But it's, it's commonly believed that Joseph probably passed away before Jesus began his earthly ministry because he's not mentioned in all the scriptures. And you see, that would have put the responsibility of the care of Mary on the shoulders of Jesus as her oldest child. And Jesus, you know, Jesus had worked with his hands all his life. He'd worked in, in in Joseph's workshop. He'd been a carpenter. I mean, he'd done hard labor. He was a strong man. I'm sure he was a strong man. And he 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 learned that trade. And you know, him being who he was, he was the best carpenter anybody could ever hire. I'm sure he was in high demand. Wouldn't you think so? He never, hey, he never cut anything too short or too long. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> he never said, whoops, we'll have to scrap that piece. No, Jesus used everything. I bet every piece he cut was perfect. I mean, I bet when they walked in, they just their mouth just dropped to the floor looking at his work. You know he had to have been the best craftsman anybody's ever seen. So it, I think it goes without saying that if Joseph had passed away, that Jesus, he must have provided for her so that she is taken care of during his three years of earthly ministry. I hear he is dying. The first thing that Jesus spoke from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It makes sense because he was dying for sinners. His second statement, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. He's speaking to a sinner asking for salvation. He was dying to get him to paradise. But the third statement doesn't line up with the first two at all. He takes his mind off of dying just for a minute. And he takes his mind off of the sinners that he's dying for just for a minute, and he puts them on his earthly responsibilities to his own mother. I want you to notice that. God points this out from the Scriptures, amen? God makes it a point for us to see this. It's not insignificant because it relates to His earthly life. No, God God makes all kinds of things relating to our earthly life. Very important, and He very much points this out with Jesus right here on the cross. Dr. Bob Jones, Sr. said this. He said, life is not divided into the secular and the sacred. All ground is holy ground, and every bush is a burning bush. For the believer. You can't say, Well, that's my church life here, and over here's my secular life. No, it's all your. It's all your spiritual life if you're saved. So from the pulpit of the cross, Jesus preached the sermon Fifth Commandment. Fifth commandment says Honor thy father and thy mother that thy that thy days may be long upon the earth. Jesus is hes preaching that from the cross. The first four commandments sum up man's duty to God. But the the last six sum up man's duty toward man. Honor thy father and thy mother is the first one of those. And do you know it comes before killing? It comes before cheating. It comes before stealing. And it comes before lying. God puts that command ahead of all those others. So it must be important to God, wouldn't you think? And by the way, just let me say this. We live in an hour where children have forgotten the responsibility to care for their elderly par- parents, the ones who cared for them. Having had a, mi- a ministry in a nursing home for years, I know that to be true. They get stuck in there and forgotten. <sighs> now, a man a man has a responsibility to care for his mother as long as she lives on this earth. She's not the responsibility of the state to take care of her. Amen? You don't put her on the state and say, y'all handle it. No, we, I, I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do to live my life. And by the way, not just your mom. If your dad becomes elderly and can't take care of himself, that's your responsibility too. Amen? It's their child. They took care of you. They changed your diapers when you couldn't change them. They fed you when you couldn't feed yourself. They gave you shelter when you couldn't provide it for yourself. It's wrong for somebody to not do that for their elderly parents. Paul addressed this in 1 Timothy 5, verses 3 through 8. He said, "Honor Honor widows that are widows indeed. But if any widow have children or nephews let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents or to pay them back to do for them what they have done for them. For that is good and acceptable before God. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. These things give in charge that they may be blameless. But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. I think God's pretty serious about that, don't you? I believe he addressed it, amen? And Christ thought it so important that he addressed it from the cross as he's hanging there bleeding and dying. He didn't just preach it from the cross, so he preached another sermon on it. If you look in Mark chapter 7, if you want to turn there, Mark chapter 7 in verses 9 through 13. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whosoever curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Korban, that is to say, a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free, and ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. Now you say, what does all that mean? What is korban? Here's what it was: there was a there was a tradition that they had. So if a man's parents had gotten elderly, and they got to where they couldn't take care of themselves anymore. What they would do if they didn't want to take care of their parents, they'd go down to the temple and they would make an offering. And this offering, they would they would say it's korban, which means I'm giving this to God instead of taking care of my parents. That's what they did. They made a big offering. They said, "Well, I'm free from that burden. I go and do what I want to, and they can just fend for themselves." That's what Christ was saying. Your tradition is trying to outdo the commandment of God, and that's what people do today. I've got a problem with that. So we've seen we've seen a mother's remorse here. We've seen a a, a, we've seen a man's responsibility. But there's a third thing I want us to look at. There's a mission remaining. Now I want you to picture this in your mind. On the cross, he's prayed, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." He's dealt with the thief on the cross and told him they'll be with him in paradise. Now he looks down at that crowd that's shouting angrily at him, and he spots his mother. And standing right next to her is John, the apostle whom Jesus loved. And as far as we know, John is the only one that stayed with him all through the cross. All the rest of them ran away. Jesus sees John, and he sees his mother. He looks at John. He looks at his mother. And Jesus makes a strange statement. Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. I'll tell you why strange here in a moment. But he wasn't going to be there anymore to take care of her. And he knew that. And in just a little while, he would cry out, It is finished! And when he finished the work of salvation that day, that's what he did, he finished. He, he finished our salvation when he died. But he had a mother who was going to continue to live on, and she needed to be taken care of. We seem to, we, put all the, we put all the emphasis in talking about this on his finished work, what Christ did when he finished. But this is unfinished work. There's some unfinished work that he, he knew he couldn't take care of. And he passes that burden of responsibility to John to make sure it's done. I want you to understand something. That day, John became the substitute's substitute. Christ was our substitute, was he not? That was my when he hung on that cross, that was me hanging on that cross. He hung in my place. He was my substitute. The substitute said to John, I need a substitute. saying to John, I'm your substitute in death. I want you to be my substitute in life. In doing so, John here is representative of all believers. Why? Because Jesus had other unfinished business that he's left to all of us. He had the responsibility of getting the gospel into all the world. And here he says, to me and you. Jesus left John with the responsibility of taking care of his mother. John nineteen twenty seven. the Bible says, Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own home. It's not in the Word of God, but history records some. Some have said that that, that moment, the very moment that he spoke those words, John took her and, and he took her away from the cross so she wouldn't have to stand there and watch the death of Jesus, and took her into his home at that moment. Now, I can't swear by that. I don't know. But it sure seems plausible if Jesus said, that's your mother. Jesus is saying to us, I took the penalty for the sin of the world. tasted death for every man. In the way of eternal life, for everyone who would ever believe the plan of salvation the message of the gospel needs to go into all the world and everybody needs to hear it committed that care to us just as he committed his mother to john to care for her he's committed the gospel to us care for the, the giving out of it I mean, he said it in all four Gospels, recorded in all four Gospels in Matthew 28, 19. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Matthew 16, 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Luke chapter 24, verse 47 and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And in John 20, 21, then Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you, as the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Someone wrote these words a long time ago. It said, Christ has no hands but your hands to do his work today. He has no feet but our feet to lead men in the way. He has no tongue but our tongue to tell men how he died. He has no help but our help to bring men to his side. But why did he choose John? You might say, well, he was the only one standing there. But I don't believe that was why he chose John. He knew John loved him. It's not that the others didn't love him. Peter loved him, but he he just denied him and ran away. The others loved him, but they were afraid. But John stayed there. He stayed right beside him. Even if it meant his own life, he was willing to follow Jesus no matter what. But there's another reason why Jesus chose John. He knew John would get the job done. He knew John wouldn't let him down. You understand something too. John was also the wealthiest of the disciples. He and James. Why? Their dad Zebedee owned a shipping business, a fishing business. They had hired servants and things. I mean, he had grown up in a fairly wealthy home. I'm sure he had he had a good means, a good a good uh, living, and and he was able to take care of her. He was financially more able to do that. You say, "What's that got to do with it?" God puts omnipotence behind His commands. If God's going to do something, He's going to provide the means for it to be done. He's not ever going to ask you to do something that He won't give you the strength, the power, or the wealth, or whatever you need to get it done. He provides for His own, He knows the end from the beginning, and there's unfinished business for me and you. Their souls to be won. There's a generation coming up that does not know Christ. They're so they're so caught up in the filth of this world that they've been had poured into their eye holes and their ear holes their whole life, and they're confused and they don't know where to turn. And you and I have the answer. Somebody said, "Well, I, I pray a lot. I pray like well, it's, that's good. It's not enough to pray." Prayer is needed, but listen to me and hear what I'm about to say. When prayer takes the place of duty, even prayer becomes sinful. I'm not a big fan of Martin Luther. I'm not a big fan of the Reformers because they hated our Baptist brethren. But beside the point, they still did some work for God, and I, and I rejoice in what they did. But Martin Luther, he when, when he finally understood the gospel, he, he told his friend in the monastery, he said, I am going to preach the gospel. I am going... To, to, to share the gospel with the whole world, and I want you to come with me. He said, I'll stay here in the monastery and pray, and you go and do the work, and I'll pray for you. Martin Luther went into all the world, he, or he went as far as he could. He went, he, went, he went into his world, his area of the world, and began preaching the gospel to everybody around him. And that man had a dream in that monastery. And in that dream, he was standing on top of a hill, and he was looking down in this valley, and there were all these lost sheep, and he saw one shepherd down there amongst them. And in his dream, he looked closer, and it was Martin Luther. And a few days later, he had another dream. And he saw a harvest field, white everywhere, more than any man could harvest. And he saw one reaper in the field. And in his dream, he looked close, and it was Martin Luther. And that man, he left the monastery. He said, I've got to go and help All of us should be out reaping God's harvest. All of us should be looking to reap God's harvest everywhere we are. Because there's, again, God likened it to a ripened field of grain. I've said this before, but God didn't liken it to muscadines that are way up on a tree that you've got to scale up a tree to get to, berries with thorns that you've got to get through the thorns to get through. He's talking about something you can drive down a road, stick your hand out the window and get a handful of. It's ripened grain. It's everywhere. He says, get it. It's not hard to do. It's there. He does the work. We're just the vessels he uses. And all of us, every one of us that's saved, should be about his unfinished business. Lastly, one more point. We're almost done. I see a more meaningful relationship. I come to what I said earlier I was going to touch on. He saith unto his mother, woman... Behold thy son. Now see, there's something in there that's a little bit different. How did he address his own mother? He said woman. He didn't call her mother. He called her woman. And you say, why would Jesus do that? Because he's relinquishing that relationship. From that moment on, he's about to utter the words, it is finished. He's about to give up the ghost, and he'll no longer be there. And there's no point in continuing on. He's saying, no, you're his now. He's going to take care of you. She's going to be John's mother now. Very soon, Mary will be numbered with all the rest of the believers. You'll see it in Acts if you read. Mary's just there amongst the rest. She's not deified. She's not called the mother of God. She's not told to be prayed to. No, all that's lies out of pit of hell from Satan. Listen to me, she was just a sinner, just like you and me, that God chose to be a vessel to honor in bringing Christ into the world, but that's as far as it goes. She was a sinner who needed salvation just like you and I, and she too saw him as the risen Savior and and had faith that he was God's only son, and she believed unto salvation just like you and I. Stan, her relationship now is no different from that of the thief on the cross. That's a whole lot better than an earthly relationship. All believers today enjoy a relationship with Christ that's much deeper than a relationship between a mother and son could ever go. I'm reminded of Mary's words way back in the beginning, where she said in Luke chapter one, verse forty-six and forty-seven, "My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit." hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary now has a much more meaningful relationship than she ever had on earth as his mother. And you and I ought to fully enjoy that relationship. I urge you to get to know your Savior. Get to know fullness of his love. Realize how much he loves you. And be about his unfinished business. Because soon he'll call us home. And the books will be open and everything will be analyzed. And, and then the tale will be told. And the rewards will be handed out. And there won't be a second run through this. This is it. This time. Let's make the most of our time. And let's be about his unfinished business. let stand together. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we do come before you now. And we ask you, please. Lord, work in this invitation. Whatever the need of the people, Father, I don't know their need, but you do. You know their heart. Father God, I pray now, even now, Lord, you work on hearts. You draw them in this invitation. Lord, whether it be to come and pray around this altar, Lord, to pray right where they're seated. Father, I just pray you have your will and way be done in this. Father, for those who are listening in, Lord, if there's somebody out there who's lost without Jesus, I pray this be the day that they believe on him, believe on his shed blood as the payment for their sins, that he died, was buried, and rose again to pay for it. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you so much. Lord God, help us to realize that we must be about his unfinished business. Father, I ask you, please, bless the invitation now. In Jesus' name, amen. Number 61 in our red book, The Haven of Rest. My soul in sad exile was out on life scene, so burdened with sin and distress, till I heard a sweet voice saying, make me your choice, and I entered the haven of rest. I anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I'll sail the wild seas no more. The tempest may sweep o'er the wild stormy deep. In Jesus I'm safe evermore. Oh, come to The Savior he patiently waits To save by his power divine Come anchor your soul In the haven of rest And say my beloved it's mine I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest, I'll sail the wild seas no more. The tempest may sweep or the wild stormy deep. In Jesus, I'm safe evermore. Amen. Just remember, tonight, 6 p.m., We'll, we'll be back in our series on how not to collapse when everything is collapsing around you, from Second Timothy. So be back tonight. We're gonna we're gonna come down toward the end of chapter two, and then don't forget Wednesday night 7 p.m. and next Sunday, again last Sunday of the month, we're gonna eat after service. But just so you know, Grant won't be teaching Sunday school next Sunday morning. Uh, Brother Finney will be teaching during Sunday school hour. He'll be teaching during the morning service, and we're gonna go eat. And then we're going to have maybe a question and answer time and a, and a final finish up. We may do it back there. Or we may come back in here. I just don't know for sure which way we're going to go with it. But we'll play it by ear. But please be here next Sunday. It's crucial that you understand uh, the, the importance of this issue. Uh, you know, God's the head of his church. Christ is. Amen. And and I, and I, I think I mentioned, I was talking to Robert back here. I said, you know, it, nobody would like it if they came home from work and found out the next door neighbor had been over there telling their wife how to run her household and what she could do and what she couldn't do, what she could say and what she couldn't say, they you'd have a fit. Okay? Well, Christ is the head and we are his we we're his bride. And nobody else has any business telling the Lord's church what they can and can't do. And I just want to say ahead of time, there's is, there's is legislation in the works right now that if they pass it any transgender can come in here and raise all kind of stink they want to raise. If we wouldn't allow them to be a Sunday school teacher or a song leader or whatever, they will they will then use that against us. So the, the 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 noose is tightening down and we better get our head out of it. Amen? All right. Anything from anybody before we dismiss. Well let's let's go have a good day in the Lord. And let's let's honor him and praise his name. Amen. All right, Lucas, just miss us in a word of prayer. Amen. Okay. Put that over there. Over where it goes. On the the lid.
0: God bless you. (laughs) Yeah. i a little <laughs> 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 yeah? Not. Uh, not the to <laughs> yeah, they had to I want not want I want you to 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 I want you to
1: I want you to I
0: want you to I want you to I want you to I want you to I
1: want you to I
0: want you to I guess you're Okay. to be a believer.